Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Survivor Podcast. I am back this week alongside Ryan to recap Survivor Season 42, Episode 7. I'm, I'm excited to be here. You know, obviously, I didn't. I feel like I have so much to say because I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't here for the merge episode. And you know, Ryan did a great job going an hour, fifteen minutes by himself. And you know, we were going to do this podcast uh, over the weekend again, but with you know Passover, Easter, everything that happened over the weekend, me being busy at work, it did not work out. But we're back here. A lot to discuss this week. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm doing well. Thank you for the kind words. I, I had a lot of fun last week, even though I, I missed talking about it with you. Um, what you didn't want to really tell the listeners, Dylan, be honest with them. You sat out last week because you didn't want peanut butter and jelly. It's the only reason why you chose <laughs> to sit last week's uh, episode out. Yeah, it, it's it's hilarious, and we'll, we we could talk we could talk about that. So I I you know I, I want to hold it, but when we get up to that part, I actually have something I want to say about that, which okay, is funny sure. that you brought that up to open up. But uh, sure. yeah, another good episode tonight. I actually so I'll do a quick thing before you know before we get into this episode just to say i really enjoyed last week's merge i think it was a phenomenal two-hour episode it was like everything you would want even though like technically this is the merge boot like last week was really <laughs> merge boot. Yeah. so i think last week was everything you'd want for a merge boot i think this season is on a pretty good traje- trajectory right now um and i'm really liking a lot of characters in this season so you know i i have i have high hopes for the rest of the season but let's get to it uh, just a reminder to everybody watching. First of all, thank you for watching live. And second of all, be sure to like this video here on YouTube and subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram at Soul Survivor Pod. We're also in, on TikTok now, Soul Survivor Podcast. Uh, subscribe on Apple, Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and review on Apple. Really helps us out. All the links to that are in the description below. So if you want to follow us on social media, help us out with ratings and reviews, be sure to do that. And let's get right to it. So. We have Chanel going out tonight. Um, I think based on you know what everyone learned last week, this is not the most shocking news as she was left out of the vote last week. She was a main target but ended up being safe due to the hourglass twist. Um, what were your thoughts on the, what are your initial reactions on the vote before we get to you know going through the episode in chronological? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this before we hopped on. I mean, this kind of was what we saw earlier in the season with the Mariah boots. And we've seen this, you know, last season and every season before where as the audience, we kind of know the writings on the wall for somebody, they try to give us a misdirection. Somebody's getting paranoid. They could be a threat. Should we cut them off now or later? And it turns out they say, nah, we can deal with them later. We have to deal with the known problem right now. And Chanel leaves, I guess for a quick eulogy on Chanel. I mean, I know, talking to people, some of my friends, people on the internet, people are kind of split on her. Some people really like her. Some people think, you know, she made some really bad moves, but you know, I still think she had potential as a game player. I don't know if we would see her back. I'm not sure if she's on the top of the list to come back, but I do think she has a mind for the game. Clearly. I think she was before the whole summit issue. She was positioned with Daniel very well at Vati. So I think she has the makings of a good player. I just think she made one too many bad choices and as you saw tonight, her allies just couldn't trust her, and it was it was her time to go. Yeah, at, at the end of the day, what she had done on Vati was it was probably too much to overcome, and that's just the that's just how it went. That being said, it was a little bit odd to see her not scrambling at all when her name when she clearly knew her name was in the chopping block. At first, I was like, wait, is this like a next level like like uh, you wouldn't think this is going to work out, but it ends up working out? And honestly, like it, it almost did. Um, so I got I kind of she had a different way of going about it. It's like, and she kind of read, I wanted to say she kind of read the rest of the room. Well, and the fact that like 
she knew that they were going to immediately immediately like panic if a person got up and started scrambling. So she said, maybe if somebody else does that, it'll take the target off me and I'll just act calm. And it almost worked. I'm not sure if it was like legit almost working or if this was just a edit to make us believe that it almost worked. But it it was just a little bit interesting the way that that played out, something that we haven't really seen uh, before. Like I'm not, we haven't really seen it in, in recent history, I should say. Yeah. So two things I want to mention with this one is that this was an interesting not metaphor, but an interesting arc because this is the opposite of what we saw earlier in the season where, you know, people were saying, should we get rid of Daniel or Chanel? And Daniel was the one who went fishing. He tried to be calm. He tried to show that he wasn't scrambling. And Chanel was the one, as we hear in his post-game interviews, if we choose to believe them, that she was the one kind of scrambling and running around. And interestingly, they portray her tonight as, I know I'm on the chopping block, but I'm going to be calm. I'm not going to scramble too much. And I think the first question we have to ask ourselves is, you know, should she have tried to scramble more? Maybe that was just the editing. Maybe she really did try to hustle and they just didn't want to show it for the narrative. But could she have tried to done more to hustle, including playing her shot in the dark? Yeah, that, that's that's another thing. If she didn't end up playing her shot in the dark, which I, I always forget about the shot in the dark. when we Everybody have- does, yeah. When we, have, when we have like a normal Survivor episode, I'm like, oh, like I'm used to seeing this throughout all the years. Like this is nothing out of the ordinary. And then next thing you know, we always come on the podcast and then one of us is like, oh, well, the shot in the dark wasn't used. And we're like, oh, yeah, they could have possibly saved themselves. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's interesting that she didn't use her shot in the dark. Obviously, it was not the right move, but also in a scenario where like it would ha- how many people were left tonight? Was it 12 left tonight going into tonight? Twelve uh, left. 11, I think. 11. Uh, 11 after tonight or 11 going into tonight i thought tonight what no 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 no. tonight was 11 tonight was 11 for sure so we, we lost chanel we're down to 10 tonight was 11 people on tribal for sure right so it would like it would have to be like a six five vote uh for her to like screw this up by losing a vote like i it just would have had to be like the perfect scenario for her shot in the dark to screw up to actually send her home if you if you get what i mean so to me it feels like why not use that Hail Mary? I'm sure she has a reasoning for why she didn't use it. Maybe she yeah. legitimately thought she had done enough to save herself and they did a good job of making sure she didn't use it. Um, but that's a good point that you bring that up. Obviously, you always have that out um, or Hail Mary attempt at an out. So it is interesting that she didn't use it, especially because we've seen this uh, this cast very, very good at using their shot in the dark so far. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, though. We uh, saw last season it got used at the the fake merge with Sydney. And then this season we've seen it used once on each tribe by uh, Swathi, by Mariah and by Zach. So no, I'm sorry. Wait. Oh, interestingly. No, wait. So we saw two used on Ika by Swathi and Zach. And we saw one used by, um, by Mariah. We technically didn't see anybody on the green tribe used theirs, but basically it's been played three times this season. I feel like at this point, we're going to see it played at least one more time. I don't know if it's going to hit or not, but I have to feel like we're going to see it again. If we don't see it, um, if we don't see it go off the season, I feel like two seasons in a row, people are going to be results oriented and they're just going to say, Jeff, this is boring. Like we forget about it. It didn't work. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, I ha- I have a few predictions on the dark. Um, kind of reminded me of, and we'll get to that later in the, later in the show here. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got on Chanel. Let's go through the episode chronologically. Now, once again, if you're watching live, be sure to, you know, comment in the chat, uh, interact with others in the chat and be sure to ask us any questions. We will answer them all for the most part at the end. So um, be sure to do that, but let's get into it chronologically like normal. So, you know, we have this crazy vote. 
everyone's now officially merged. Everyone gets back to camp. And you have, of course, the people who were left out of the vote scrambling. And, you know, once again, the episode opens up with Mike explaining what happened. So, look, Mike Mike is doing a phenomenal job. Um, you know, his social game is great. He's, he's basically on the right side of every vote so far. Um, he's making a good connection with Omar, who was praying. You know, so he they were talking about um, Omar's religion, which Mike didn't know a lot about. Mike is doing and, – and for, for a guy who has completely exceeded – expectations from what we saw pregame in in terms of his articles like i'm not sure i've ever i'm not sure i've ever been more more like wrong about a guy like this is it's just it's pretty crazy how how he's like turned into a you know one of the best players on the season and i don't think anybody saw that coming yeah mike has a has a really great social game because everybody wants to align with him and it's not just the same archetype of people it's not just your jonathan's it's not just your 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 omers it's you know your highs uh lydia had a great connection with him like everybody wants to align with mike and as we see later in the episode again we're not we have to figure this out with exit interviews but we need to figure out how much sway mike had because i feel like knowing the the social capital and the strategy that high and omer have if they really wanted romeo gone it would have happened tonight but i feel like they respect mike enough or mike has enough social capital to reuse that term where he put his foot down and said i would like chanel gone tonight and he got his way so i think that's just that's evident that mike really is playing a great social game and the other thing that you mentioned too is how mike is always in on the votes and how important it is to be in on the votes because we see chanel mentioned in confessional um how it's really bad to be left out of the merge vote uh once you come together and it's so funny that she mentions this because I was listening to Rob's podcast that he did with Christian Kubicki. So if anybody wants to check that out, that was a really good podcast. It was three hours long, but it was still really good to go through. Um, And they went through the stats and we found out that 35 out of 39 seasons, because technically uh, Fiji had a weird merge and Chris Underwood wasn't at the merge, but out of the 39 other winners, besides those two, 35 out of 39 voted correctly at the merge, or they were part of the um, split vote or whatever it was. So 89% or 90% of winners vote correctly at the merge. So that doesn't mean that this is a spoiler. doesn't mean that, you know, you always have to vote correctly because some people like Chris or Danny or Bob Crowley have not voted correctly and they still won their season. But if you vote correctly at the merge, you're voting at a critical point where you're determining what the story of the season will be and where the trajectory is going to go for the story. So don't be surprised if our winner is one of the people who voted correctly at the merge in that big alliance. So yeah, like you were saying, Mike's social game and someone who is good socially like Mike or an Omer, they're key people to watch because they're going to be always part of the vote. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think Mike's doing a great job. Um, that was, you know, just, just really great to see. I, I'm a big fan of Mike and, and Omer as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, so great. So great to see there. Um, and then, you know, we have, here we have a reward challenge which you know we haven't really got a lot of reward challenges this season however it was interesting for one reason here and that we saw the same thing that we did last season and that was jeff hiding a reward under the sit out bench um so whoever draws that gray rock and is sitting out of the challenge technically it could be an advantage for you if you find it um one thing i initially didn't like about this is that you know it was a quote-unquote beware advantage 
So I was like, well, well, how are you going to penalize somebody for, you know, going the extra mile to grab an advantage onto their bench when they, when they're sitting out, like, why are you going to penalize somebody who did that? Then it was like, I, I saw, I think it was Dalton Ross on Twitter who like kind of described it as like a quote unquote fake uh, beware advantage where it was like, it tells you it's beware, but like, it's not really like, if you do what they tell you to do, then it's like, you're, you're not losing your vote at the end of the day. So but obviously we saw that she did that that something did happen with Drea that was not great but you know so that was the beware part but you know obviously with the fake beware advantage i should say or like uh fake out it, it ends up being in my opinion i really liked it and i really liked how this uh, came here now what a what a crazy crazy thing for Drea to completely just like switch her spots with Marianne and nobody remember last season when i'm pretty sure uh Xander switched with who did he switch with he switched oh shoot I, it's so funny i just watched a podcast with him and now i can't even remember who it was um i just keep going i'll remember keep going but he swaps with was somebody it, it may have been erica i whatever it was he he switched he switches xander switched with somebody the same thing so he was i think it was i think it was, I think it was erica yeah. yeah he was drawn into the challenge in season 41 and then he switched out and didn't find the advantage but then once he like switched out everyone was like oh obviously xander's playing a huge great social game Drea does it, and we didn't hear one comment about anybody like suspecting that she was doing this an extra mile just to like extend an arm to Marianne. And there was like no talk about that, which I found very interesting. Like, that's great on Drea's part that like nobody's suspecting that she's playing some masterful social game or like going the extra mile to do that. Um, also, the thing I was going to mention before, hilarious that she was just like, no, this is not like uh, strategic at all. Like, I strictly like do not like peanut butter. Now, the reason why you saying it to me was funny is because I'm actually allergic to peanut butter. Yeah. So I was sitting there and I'm like, if I ever go on Survivor and this happens, I'll do the same thing as Drea. And I'll just be like, I'm allergic to peanut butter. I can't participate in the challenge. And then I'll be the one getting the advantage. So I, I, I would have had a legitimate excuse there without people uh, suspecting of my social game. Yeah, you had that card ready to play. Um, and, and it's funny because, you know, obviously the first question we all ask ourselves is, is she lying? Like, is she doing this to get an advantage? And one, she says it in confessionals, which nine out of 10 times people don't lie to us in confessionals. So if she's saying to us, I genuinely don't like peanut butter and jelly. Okay, I'll believe you there. And then if you go check out Drea's Twitter, she says again, I'm being serious. I hate peanut butter. And I don't know why you would combine it with jelly. So Drea genuinely did not want this reward at all. And she ends up looking for it. And unlike Xander, she ends up finding it. So crazy. Uh, but then the other part of the challenge that we have to talk about is, um, I mean, if I had a dollar for every time Jonathan came back in a challenge and won, I would I would be a millionaire. And, you know, it's, it, I don't want to call it a spoiler, but I'm almost at the point where if your team has Jonathan on you, if you, if you sorry, if you have Jonathan on your team, you're winning the challenge. He's only lost one challenge this season, and it's because they made him the puzzle solver and the caller. That's the only reason why they lost. He's won every other challenge. I mean, I mean, all you could do is laugh at this point. Personally, me, I was legitimately laughing out loud when I saw this happening because all of a sudden, like, you know, you see Omar, okay, make, 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 and then he has one left, and then you see, then the video cuts to Jonathan switching with uh, Rocks, right? I'm like, oh, here we go again. That's Jonathan, it. AKA as, as the, as we joke around the Thor meme that I tweet out with Jonathan's face on it, Jonathan uh, becomes Thor uh, once again and hits every single basket basically in a row wins the, the challenge for them that, I mean, it's just getting ridiculous at point at this point, this is the, this guy's the best, this guy is probably the best team immunity 
or team challenge player that we've yeah. ever seen on Survivor. I mean, it's it's literally a cheat code. And like one thing that I think is so telling with all that is that after this challenge ends, you see the group that lost and they're all talking. They're like, wow, like so proud of ourselves that we were that close to winning that challenge. Like that's that's how good Jonathan is that they were like patting themselves on the back for like coming close. And you know that never happens in Survivor. Like that's very, very rare. Usually people are down after losing, especially where they're not getting food. And like this is a reward that they're getting food. Like like that's how you know that uh, that Jonathan is really that good. Like that was, it just it's just hilarious to see. I was gonna say, just seeing the, the the memes on Twitter made it all worth it. You you tweeting out the uh, the the Thor meme. We also used the classic, uh, and I took that personally meme. Uh, <laughs> uh, and also forget Thor. I think it was either Dalton Ross or Mike Bloom. And someone said, "No, he's more like Thanos, where he says I'll do it myself." So Literally. Jonathan just has to do everything himself. Um, and, and and as we'll see later um, in the immunity challenge, um, there's a few other things before we get to that. But you know, he's he is close to winning these, uh, these uh, solo challenges. I mean, he did decently at the stacking challenge last episode, even though he didn't win and he came in second place this time. So sooner or later, these people have to realize he's going to win some, like he's not going to win them all, obviously, but he's going to start winning some. So they better be careful. If they let him keep eking by for too, too long. Yeah. And, and we'll get to the immunity challenge, but I have a lot of thoughts on that. Sure. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get to that with Jonathan. I want to get to the actual beware advantage first here. So Dre goes back and she's told to walk 10 paces from the well. And she's supposed to see a coconut that is either cracked open. And she sees a coconut that's cracked open. She picks it up and there's just like a hole in the ground with like red paint in it. Um, this was not what anybody expected the beware, beware advantage to be, which is why I thought it was very creative. Is that she had to stick her hands in paint to get the advantage. Which meant that everybody was theoretically, if she didn't clear it off in time, going to be able to see that she had paint all over her hands. Um, so that's exactly what happened. She, you know, pours it, pours uh, all the well water on her hand, clears it all off, finds that it's the knowledge is power advantage from season 41, which by the way, uh, that could be a whole nother conversation about that coming back. But first let's just get into this. Drea forgets. She doesn't realize that she had like on the side of her arm or on the bottom of her, like the side of her arm here, she had a little bit more paint gets back and of course it's agent of chaos tori who realizes that she has paint on her arm and is like oh what's that she's sitting weird so like i and I, again i want to talk a lot about tori this this uh this podcast but tori is she's a great survivor character because for, for a lot of reasons like she she is so bad at like a lot of aspects of the game, but at the same time, she's like so weirdly good at other parts. It's like she's very um observant. She just knows how to like get herself out of trouble, which I think is legit skill. Like it, it, it's all it's it's like she's like a bizarre blend of a player, but she's literally an agent of chaos right now, and it's absolutely hilarious to watch. She's the that you know fact that she's the one that notices it. So Drea kind of gets caught, and she was like, oh, um. It was, you know, paint that I was using for the tribe flag, but like the tribe flag had no paint on it. So like, how would that have been open? When Tori asked Drea if she was bleeding, I was like, that's the per that's the perfect way she could have played it off. Like she could have been like, oh yeah, I was like reaching into the well and I scraped my arm on the, on the, uh, on the side of it. And it would have been the easiest excuse. Like I'm, I was a little shocked that she'd not have that like ready to go right away. Yeah, I mean, listen, who knows if, um, you know, Tori would have asked, like, for medical or, like, I, I mean, who knows, like, what the, the reasoning was that Drea didn't go with that, but I, I do see your point there. Um, and like you're mentioning, at this point, Tori will do 
she'll say or do anything and people will target her for it immediately. And I feel like this is just the story of the season with Tori where like she is fun to watch in some regards because she does give that off that villain energy, but it's also very sloppy at the same time. And I, I, I say this to my friends where she is so good at like getting to the first half of an idea, but then like the back half of it or like the outcome is just what falls apart where in the pre in the preseason, I'm going to wear blue because people uh, trust people wearing blue. Okay, well, Tori, your whole tribe is wearing blue. Okay, and then I'm gonna wear glasses and put my hair up in a bun so I don't look like a pretty girl, and I look, you know, more nerdy, and I won't come off as threatening. Okay, but Tori, when you get to the mat and your hair is down and your glasses are off, like what? <laughs> she gets to, to half of an idea and then she doesn't complete the idea. And this is the same thing where if I'm Tori and I notice that Drea has red paint or blood on her arm, maybe I ask a question once. I she says to me, "Oh, it's this." Oh, okay. I leave it alone. I don't push the issue anymore. I notice that she's sitting weird. I don't keep asking questions. Maybe I go to somebody else, or maybe I hold it to myself for now. I feel like you know, Tori had a good read, and I'll give her credit for the read. But then when she keeps pressing Dre about it, Dre is like, "All right, this chick's got to go." So again, she gets off to a good start, and then it's just the ending that she can't stick. So, I mean, this has just been the, the story of Tori all season long. Yeah, like. Tori, she doesn't, and we're getting right into the immunity challenge here, so like I could I could carry this on here, but she, Tori's your classic uh, survivor character who's like a combination of the underdog in that she gets targeted seemingly every single tribal council she's vulnerable at, but for some reason they cannot get rid of her. And again, I think that's partially a skill, like she's somewhat good at avoiding uh, going home, especially like early on in the season when it was the, um, you know, when it was tribal, uh, when it was multiple tribes. Um and then, then you have Tori where, you know, she keeps winning immunity. She's the last two individual immunity, the first two individual immunities. She wins the challenge to escape going home. and But she, like, can never put it all together. So, like you mentioned, with Drea, she, instead of, like, just keeping it to herself for a little bit, she, like, goes and tells people immediately. She keeps asking Drea about it. We saw this, you know, last week at the very beginning of the episode where she kept asking Roxroy about the summit nonstop, and she just wouldn't stop, like, she does not know when to stop talking to people. And that's like her fatal flaw. And it's pretty funny. Like, it's funny that like, she clearly has a game sense to her, but she like cannot put it all together. And I think that's why I'm like enjoying watching her so much. It's like people who compared her to Angelina, like in the first episode, like we're pretty close to being spot on. Like that is who she is this season. It's hilarious. Well, speaking of Angelina, Angelina, obviously the irony is not lost upon us that they had negotiation negotiating for rice, which obviously everybody thinks of Angelina when you think of negotiating for rice. And it was similar to last season of 41, where Jeff, the art of the deal, art of negotiation, Jeff says, I would like six, I'll settle for four. Um, I, I was dying. So I, quick side note, I was dying when Marianne's like two and just like, you're going to offer me two people for all this rice. And then, and he's like, how about nine? And they're like, no. So in the end he settled for four and it was uh, Marianne, Lindsay, Omer, and Drea that sat out. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to Angelina, just for one quick second, I said this to you before the podcast, but people like Tori, they have to just get past a certain threshold. Like we always say if they escape the first few votes, you can pencil them in for the end. The same thing happened to Heather last season, where even though Heather lost in fire making, um, she could have been a final three go potentially, but she still made it to the end. And we said for a while, if Heather just makes it past, you know, the first few votes, which her tribe never lost, and then she made it past the first few merge votes, you pencil them in for the end. I think at this point, Tori's won two immunities. Yeah, she's a threat. 
but I have a feeling as we'll get into later, we you, we might see cracks in the group. We might see Romeo go next or Marianne, but I have a feeling if Tori survives one more vote, whether she wins again or whether she gets saved, I, you can just pencil her in for final four at this point. I feel like at this point we're at final 10 now. Why would, why would you get rid of Tori at this point? Honestly? Right. Like you, you hit a point where it's like, all right, I'm going to have to start voting people out who could legitimately steal my chance to win. Yeah. Right. Um, and like, yeah, I could see at the end, maybe like final five or final six people say, well, everyone wants to bring Tori to the end. Now she's a True. threat. So I could vote her out. But like up until then, like you're right. I think she needs to get past like one more vote and like where she's not quote unquote the easy vote anymore. Um, and people start to turn on each other and then she's kind of just sitting pretty and she could, could just do whatever she wants. She could attach to, you know, a group. She, people could use her as a free agent and just like kind of bring her along. Um, I think I, I do think Tori is going to have to evolve her game slightly because she's a risky person to add to your, to add to your uh, alliance, even even just for one vote, because, you know, she's going to tell everybody the plan or tell everybody everything. So I do think she needs to, like, quiet down on that front. Maybe she never will. And she's still going to keep, you know, being the underdog and escaping being voted out. We'll have to see. But I am really she's like Survivor Production wants you to want her gone, wants you to not like her. And she keeps winning immunity, which is so, it's so funny. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's absolutely hilarious. Like, my, my mom, who's a casual viewer and watches, you know, watches with me almost every week. She is like, she's like, oh, please don't have her win. Please don't have her win. Like, please have Jonathan win. And then Tori wins. Like, that, that is what they want you to think of Tori. And it's just so mm-hmm. beautiful to watch. But you mentioned a good point with Jonathan in, in these individual challenges. Obviously, everyone's going to see him as a huge threat, as they should. He has not won either of the first two immunity challenges. Both were not really in his wheelhouse yet. He came pretty close to winning both last week. He was like right there and then it fell at the last second. So I consider him being like the second closest to Tori last week. This week, he's again, the second closest to Tori again. Maybe Tori is going to dominate these balance challenges. And he, but I think that once, like, like you said, he's not going to lose every challenge individual immunity. Like he's too good. Once they add a challenge where there's like a little bit of strength involved, it's gonna be a run. Like he's winning that challenge. Like none of these challenge, none of these challenges have been strength based strength based. Obviously, it's a lot harder for a guy like Jonathan who's huge to balance on a small perch than it is, you know, you know what I mean? So like this was not really up his alley. That being said, um, I think I think you know he he is gonna eventually go on a run, but I guess it wasn't this time. I still, you know, I'm I'm bullish that I'm bullish on jo- Jonathan for individual challenges. Why wouldn't I be? And I still think obviously he's gonna remain a huge threat. That being said, I'm sure he was not happy that he lost these two challenges, but at the end of the day, it was probably the better thing for his game. Yeah, and again, this is why I feel like and we love Survivor for many reasons. I think one of the reasons is is that They've done a great job, especially in recent seasons, where you're not going to see somebody dominate all the challenges because they do try to change up the variety of challenges between whether it's like um, a balancing challenge, whether it's endurance, whether there's a puzzle involved, whether there's some strength, because you're right. If it's a challenge where it's um, you have to go through an obstacle course and you need to land, you know, 10 sandbags, he'll win that for sure. But if it's a puzzle or if it's one of these endurance balance challenges, or if it's a challenge where you have to hold up weight, but technically to make it fair, it's one third of your body weight. So it's heavier for a heavier person. He's not going to maybe win some of these challenges. So he's not going to win out. And by that same token, I don't think Tori's going to win out. So I think that's why the challenges are, are so great because you're not going to see the same person unless you're someone like an Ozzy or a Joe who just is like freakishly good at everything. And they practice all this stuff, then they can win everything. But 
Jonathan and Tori are not going to, you know, beast their way out. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens next week, especially as we're going to see where two people are going to get immunity. So, yeah, it should be interesting to see. Um, and, and again, I enjoy watching Jonathan still in, in every single challenge. So excited to watch that going forward. Um, and again, like, like I, like I, like I mentioned, like him losing these two, while everyone's still going to see him as a threat because he's impossible not to miss between these reward challenges and just him being huge, like between the combination of players that want to keep him in the game as a shield and then him also just not winning the first two challenges, it's like, all right, maybe maybe the people that see him as a th- as a threat are saying, all right, well, we maybe we could wait a little bit longer to get rid of Jonathan. And he, you, as we saw tonight, his name was not thrown out at all, even though he lost, which is obviously huge for him um, early on here. Yeah. Um, one more thing I want to mention before we get uh, back to the scrambling at camp is um, earlier we had an Omer, Omer segment uh, about you know him and his social game and his strategic game, and we're gonna see it kind of play out more here after the challenge but i just I, i've been so impressed with omer i know you weren't here last week so I, I wanted to also give you a chance if you wanted to talk about omer and you know what he did last week and how impressive it was um but just him talking about how i'm creating options i'm not closing doors i have my big alliance but i have separate alliances with each of the outsiders he's very well positioned i, I think most people thought in the early pre-merge and even before last week high as our front runner and at this point now you can, I think you can say Omer is the front runner now. So I don't know if it's going to be one of these two uh, dueling giants that's going to win the game or if someone else will come and swoop in and take the win. But I mean, at this point, Omer has taken, I think, high spot as the chalk pick at this point. Yeah. Um, and, and you mentioned last week, obviously, did a masterful job. Like I did not, was not able to podcast, but I will <laughs> say now that what Omer did last week was unbelievable. He did not even have a vote and he was able to do all that and swing the vote to Lydia the way that he wanted to and save Jonathan mm-hmm. that being said this week like he is I think even doing stuff that's even smarter than people even realize and he, I think he does a really good job of explaining it he somehow used him not having a vote as a strength which to, I mean it's the beware advantage so the game the producers want it to be a disadvantage obviously if you're asking anybody well, is not having a vote an advantage or disadvantage? Everybody will tell you it's a disadvantage. But somehow, some way, Omer has turned not having a vote for one tribal council into a advantage. And it's completely impressive to see. You see the way he explained it. He says, well, because I had no vote that one tribal council, nobody suspects that I was behind the Lydia vote. And now everybody thinks that I'm still on the bottom because I didn't have a vote. So nobody was able to see which way I voted. So now I could, you know, get information from the people on the bottom while also being in on the actual vote and being on the right side. And it's absolutely genius. I'm wondering how long he could pull this off without people actually catching on. But yeah. for now, it's it's absolutely genius right now. Yeah, I was going to say, as Devin would say, that that is not an advantage. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, th- that's the key question because this all is great. And I think Omer is in an amazing spot. But like you said, it's not easy to play a game like this. You know, it's a reason why not every winner can play this type of game. So can he ride the middle? Can he be in a spot where everybody perceives him to be on their side and no one wants to target him? We'll have to see. Yeah, and he did also have a confessional that got me a little bit nervous where he was like, my goal is to have as many options as possible, which theoretically is the right way to do things. It's just that like 
when people realize, start to realize that you have everybody as an option is when you may end up getting voted out. Like we saw it happen to Swathi just a few weeks ago where she told everybody, I'm your number one, I'm your number one, I'm your number one. And then all of a sudden everyone was like, wait, she's with all of us. She's a danger. Goodbye. Like, I don't think that Omer is playing it that out, you know, that like out that he's quote unquote, everyone's number one, but you know, obviously we'll see, you know, riding the middle, like you said, is not easy for that you know, to do for that long. We'll see how long he could do this for. Um, obviously he's going to have to, you know, get past these first big votes without people realizing that he's playing both sides. And then yeah. I think it should be a little bit easier for him to pull off. But right now he's doing a phenomenal job. And I think that he's almost inventing um, a new way to play in this new era because we obviously see the game evolve and evolve and evolve with these new advantages. He somehow took the beware advantage and not having in a vote, or, or I should say the summit and not having a vote and made it into an advantage for himself, which uh, it's crazy. Dylan, what what was his quote pregame? What was his his uh, key quote that they used in the preview? I, I don't remember, actually. You know, he was like, you know, they're going to, st- I want them to see me as a pigeon, but I'm going to be the owl in the night. You're not going to see me coming and then I'm going to swoop in and then you're dead. So Omer is the owl in the night right now. He is. And it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's, you know, Omer right now, obviously doing a great job. And now after the immunity challenge, let's get to, uh, we get back to camp and it seems like the initial vote, the easy vote is Chanel. Like why would Chanel not be the easy vote? It was her Tori last week. Uh, Tori ends up being safe. Chanel ends up being safe. Neither of them are options this week, Tori and Chanel again. And then Tori ends up winning immunity. And again, for the second straight week. And Chanel is now the only one on the shopping block, seemingly. Uh, and you have this like strong group. So this is another thing I want to talk about. You have this like strong group, the group of quote unquote, the group of eight that we saw last week. And then Lydia was voted out. Now it's like a group of like seven, seven or whatever. Seven, yeah. But those seven are very strong. They're all on the same page. It feels like the last few seasons of Survivor right at the beginning of the merge has been complete chaos and like no organization whatsoever. And people just like, uh, figuring it out on the spot. These seven are really, really strong. And like, there's a lot of advantages that these players have. It seems like they're going to stick strong. So I'm like really impressed first of all. And second of all, I think it's something that we haven't seen in a very long time. Yeah. So this is, um, and again, I, um, as people know, I sometimes reference it. I used to watch big brother. I still watch like occasionally, but not really much anymore. I'm obviously all in on survivor, but you know, this is kind of what we see sometimes in big brother where you have people who are more dominant players, more physical players, people who are better at challenges, people who have advantages, those people end up grouping up into a big group. And then you have the outsiders. And when people don't like boring seasons is when the big group starts to steamroll the outsiders. Now we've had, Technically, you can argue that last week the majority flipped on itself and they took out Lydia, but that's only because Tori and Chanel weren't available because if they were available, they would have went. And then Chanel goes this week. So if we go by the trends, you can make the argument, well, then it's Romeo, Tori, or Marianne next week. But I would not be surprised if this group ends up fracturing because I was thinking about this, Dylan, and yeah, they seem very strong right now. This group of seven of High and Mike, Drea and Rox, and then. Um, you know, Jonathan, uh, Lindsay, and Omer. And I think the issue here is just that technically, even though Marion's not in this group, she's still part of original Taku. If they, if this group, or if the people that are not the Takus, if they get rid of the Romeos, they get rid of the, um, the Tories, and then, oh, let's just say, oh, let's get rid of, you know, rocks or whatever. Like, 
the Takus are going to have the majority in this majority. And I think at some point, High and Mike and um, others need to realize that because if Omer, and granted Omer has the capital to do whatever he wants in this game, he can make his own new three or four if he wants to with Jonathan and maybe he'll pull in High to his group. But at some point, they're going to realize that if Omer wants them gone, he's going to align his Takus and then everybody else is going to go. So I think a big thing next week, especially with two people winning immunity, are we going to see this big group fracture? Because it's going to happen at some point, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, when I say that I'm impressed with them staying strong, I don't necessarily mean it's going to last. I just think it's so impressive that the it first is, yeah. two votes, they, they pulled mm-hmm. it off. Yeah. I think it's inevitably going to fracture also. It's just a matter of fact of who's going to make the first move to, to you know, to initiate that fracture. So we'll have to see. I think you make a good point about Marianne, like kind of being in with some of the people in the group, but like not really. And like, it could be a good opportunity for like maybe Vati to strike them or maybe a good opportunity for like the Taku to kind of reunite with Marianne and the outsiders and maybe turn on the others. Like there's a few opportunities for a fracture here. I think it's possible that it happens, but I think they're doing a great job right now to start. Now, in terms of the vote tonight, you had Chanel or Romeo who were the two options. They were basically just going to throw a few votes at Romeo. And yeah. Romeo saw that that was maybe a possibility. He kind of sniffed it out. And he was, you know, paranoid and going to everybody. And, you know, I, I saw people, a few people joking around on Twitter. And it was like, you know, it seemed like they were like really mad at Romeo for doing that, let alone he was the person, he was like a person getting votes. So like, wouldn't you expect him to do that? So it, that was a little bit weird. Um that at the same time, I see like why, you know, when there's so many numbers left, like it's better to keep the quiet people <laughs> around sometimes when there's so many numbers. Cause you just, you sometimes you don't see it coming, you know, especially if you're splitting votes, all you need to do is Romeo to Romeo to get like, you know, not as many numbers to get on his right. side. That's why I think they had a little bit of a panic. Um, but it ends up being that Romeo was like the distraction vote and Chanel still ends up going home. So the easy vote does go home tonight. Romeo actually voted for high. Yeah. He was the only vote for high. I have a few theories on this. I think he knew he was being left out of the vote. And I think that he said, well, I could just vote. I think he's, he's like, I could just vote for Chanel and kind of just act like I was on the act. Like I was on the side of the vote. Um, Or I could just throw a random vote out there and maybe people see high's name go out there. And then like, think about it later on. It was like, like, I think maybe he just wanted to kind of send a signal to everybody in the game that like high might be the biggest threat left. Um, so I think instead of just him voting for who was going home, knowing that it was either going to be him or Chanel, I think he just threw a random vote to high to make, maybe make, make the wheels turn a little bit. I'm not really sure what that's about. I would love to hear him like hear why. Yeah. I, I would like to hear a confessional when we get back from tribal next week about why he did this. I mean, again, I, I think you bring up some good points that he could have been trying to send a signal. He could have been trying to, um, you know, just throw a vote out there just in case, but I don't know. I just, I feel like it was just, it was still so weird. I need to hear explanation about why, because if some, for, for him to be paranoid, if he knows it's either me or Chanel, but I could be being lied to, and he's not going to play a shot in the dark. I would think he would want every vote on Chanel as possible, or I, he had to have known high was never going to go home. So if Marianne was a, he even says throughout the episode, it's me it's Chanel or it's Marianne. I would have thought if he threw a vote, maybe throw it on to Marianne. So I need to hear more. Um, the one other thing I'll say about Romeo is that I was seeing this on Twitter where, you know, he was getting paranoid and they, people always say, you need to keep your paranoia in check. You need to 
here's the thing, Dylan. It's, it's all on a spectrum, right? Like where if you're too paranoid, you look overly crazy and paranoid and people want you gone. And if you're not paranoid enough, you're going to be sitting idle and you think everything's good and you're, you're going to get blindsided. So people always say you need like the right amount of paranoia, like right in the middle where you're paranoid, but you don't overly show the paranoia. So R Romeo clearly was too far over here because he was being overly paranoid. And I, I think he did a bad job of letting people and letting Drea see it. And I think he came off kind of um, unstable, not, not unstable. I keep saying that he came off kind of, um, you know, shifty in that way. But the problem is that another problem, I think Dylan, the thing is he, I think he had every right to be paranoid. He has every right to be paranoid because his number one was Drea. We see the whole pre-merge him and Drea are in lockstep. The episode that they're going to merge they're talking about, oh, okay, Tori's on the outs here. We don't trust Tori, but we're solid. And then all of a sudden last week, I know you weren't you weren't here to comment, but last week when they pitched the eight, Drea says, no, I want Roxroy in here. He's not even on the island. He's over on Exile Island. I want Roxroy in this group, and I, and I don't want Romeo in this group. And we're all sitting here like, but Romeo is your number one. And now we see today it comes to fruition where he's like, you're not talking to me. You're not looking at me. So even though he shouldn't have showed it that much he had every right to be paranoid here so yes i agree and i'm starting to think that first of all romeo is not in a good spot at all like nobody really wants to work with him uh he kind of went from being in this great spot pre-merge to like nobody wants to work with him and now like he's look being looked at as paranoid being looked at as a possible easy vote going down going down the line i worry for drea going forward she needs to get romeo out of this game and i think that's important for her because and, and we didn't really talk about this a lot we talked about dre getting the advantage but now she has everything. one of everything she has an amulet she has an idol she has knowledge's power she has an extra vote so theoretically she has one idol, which is good for one one tribal, so you could use it. She has knowledge's power that could allow her to get a second idol, let's just say, for another tribal council that she's in danger at. She has the amulet that, if she gets the right people out, could eventually turn into an idol if they if they go out. And she has an extra vote that could also be used. All of a sudden, you look you look and you say, "All right, Dre is going to need to be blindsided badly for her to go home. Otherwise, she's like getting to like the final six or seven minimum before like she runs out of these advantages." I think she ultimately gets there, but like if there's one person that like knows she has a lot of advantages that is on the outs, it's Romeo. So I think that Drea, obviously, I don't think she's being looked at as a big threat by everybody right now. I think that Romeo is the person that knows that she's a huge threat and could easily flip it on her if things go a little crazy. So I think she needs to watch out for Romeo. And I think it's in her best interest to get Romeo out of this game as soon as possible if she does not want to work with him. And speaking of advantages, I wanted just to mention that quickly before we um, wrap up the episode and get to questions is I, I, I did a little uh, chart. I, I have it on my other screen, but I'm just typing something out as a note to myself. But we have, Dylan, a lot of stuff left in this game. And I, I know if you're an old school fan, if you're someone who doesn't love a lot of advantages, it's a lot to keep track of. But we have a lot of um bling in this game because Drea says she's she's uh she's survivor rich we have a lot of bling in this game just to read this out and people can let me know if i missed anything you have your idols which is drea mike and marianne you have your amulets which is drea high and Lindsay. 
You have your extra vote, which is Drea and Marianne. You have knowledge is power, which is Drea. And then everybody left has their shot in the dark. So this is a lot of stuff left. Now, quick side notes. I mentioned, I saw people say this on Twitter. I'm very glad we've kind of gotten back to regular Survivor. We haven't had a live travel yet. No one's getting out of their seats, which I know famously I don't like live travels. I like when people stay in their seats. But um, we have a lot of advantages, Dylan. And this is something else that Christian was talking to Rob about where as much as I don't want to put it out into the universe, could we get a another advantage get in because we have so much stuff happening here we've seen nothing played yet no idols no advantages and like you mentioned romeo knows drea has stuff the annual people know who has it the idol people know who has it so everybody knows where things are i think at some point we're going to get to a vote in the next few votes where things are just going to start getting played left and right yes I think it helps a little bit that like Drea has four of them. So like, so like, <laughs> yeah. so like if it gets down to it, like, and she's going to steal one other person's advantage uh, if she plays it right, unless she gets faked out again, like last season, I doubt that happens. Well, wait, 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 just as a side note, the only reason it, uh, last season failed is because, is because Liana went and she told Tiffany who then told Evie who told Xander. So if Drea can just keep, quiet she, she's about not, this she's not telling anybody that i don't think no no she, yeah. I, I agree she's not gonna tell anybody yeah. like people know she has an extra vote which is whatever but like if nobody knows she has this she can easily just yoink mike or marianne's idol right which is it's pretty crazy um i i mean like it, it would it would suck to see mike go out in a way like this if if he gets his idol stolen i, I think oh, people boy. would be very unhappy about that riots um, on the streets that that be that being said, I I don't know I I I don't think we're gonna end up getting an advantage again just because Drea has so much and she's gonna steal somebody else's. That being said, I'm telling you, Drea needs to watch out for Tori and watch out for Romeo. They came from her tribe. They know what she's about. They could easily turn something on her and be like, Drea is running the show. She has all this power, and we're just gonna blindside her. But she can't know because if she knows, then she's gonna play one of her 17 advantages. So. Look, I, I think I think Dre is in a great spot. I just think she needs to watch her back. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if, if we want to do any predictions for next week yet because we don't know what the structure of the vote is going to be. Because, again, all we see from the promo, no spoilers, is just two people win immunity, two people go home. Now, does that just mean it's two immunities and the whole group is voting two people out? Or is it like last season because everything in 42 is a mirror of 41 where we're going to break this group up into two and then each group gets an immunity and each group goes to tribal council because I, I don't want to call my shot, but I would not be surprised if, you know, people start to target Drea very soon. And like you mentioned, she, she knows Tori has to go and her blind, blind spot might be if Romeo gets even more paranoid and frustrated, he might go for her. So I feel like you're right. Drea has to start playing some of this stuff, but like she could be targeted soon as well. Yeah, and I think the main thing with Dre is she cannot be afraid to use something. Like she has so much. Just like if you if you get split up into a small group that doesn't favor you next week, then just do just do it. Just do it. Like like at the end of the day, like if you have that many advantages, you cannot go home with all of this in your pocket. Like you ha you have to just be aggressive and just whatever happens, happens. Like at the end of the day, running out of advantages is not the worst thing ever. <laughs> like so yeah. again, I, I think there's a lot of different ways this could go for Drea. We're we're gonna have to see. Obviously, it's gonna next week is a huge episode for her if especially with two people going out 
Yeah, and again, we we can we could do a whole separate podcast about this because the possibilities are endless. Because now you can think of a scenario where it's it's five people, and in that group is High and Lindsay, and three people, and High goes, "Wouldn't it be the worst thing if Lindsay accidentally left this week?" And then we're down to two amulets, and it's like, "Oh, I, she left somehow. I don't know how she left." So, like, I could see a scenario where, based on how the groups break out, if that's what we are doing, where we could see a lot of shenanigans happen. Like again. The, the next people to go, according to the big alliance of seven, is Romeo and Tori, along with possibly Marianne. But I would not be surprised if at least one of the people next week is not one of those people. And honestly, if you're if you're Tori, and again, you get past the double elimination next week, then you're in a great spot. So, she, she's golden at that point. So uh, interesting, interesting stuff there. But let's get to questions. Sure um ryan are you logged in so you can go through of course i'm logged in of course uh but yeah so yeah i mean uh as always uh if you have any questions or comments put them in the chat and we will get through them um and we'll keep going until we see no more and the first one comes to us from lightning blitz and lightning says ryan and dylan here we go did you (laughs) notice when jeff hinted about the monster growing hungrier for 43 what does that mean I mean, listen, all I'm going to say is that Jeff is going to finally hear the feedback on 41 and 42. I, I could be wrong. I have a, I think I saw that 43 either went out to film recently or they're about to go out to film. But um, the point is that Jeff has now had time to see 41's reaction and 42's partway reactions. And I don't know if Jeff is going to keep this going. He, he at this point, I think he just wants the monster to equal Survivor is fun, Survivor is dangerous. And I have something to say. I, I gave Mike White, I, I love Mike White. I give Mike White a lot of praise because Mike White said, hmm, Redemption Island, that sucks. And it left. Jeff's like, how about fire tokens? And Mike White goes, that sucks. Let's change it. So Mike White has a lot of power. And Mike White says, is it fun? And now Jeff's all about let's make Survivor fun. And now I think Jeff is so obsessed with the monster being fun that it's going to take Mike White to say to Jeff, you have to stop with the monster and then (laughs) Jeff will stop with the monster. Honestly, I don't think it means anything. I don't even think Jeff knows what 43 is going to be at the point of him filming this. So I don't think it means anything. Who knows if we get returnees for 43 or 44. That's something we don't know yet. Uh, My guess is that we're going to see all new players for 43 again. um, And then maybe returnees in 44 or 45. But like, I don't think Jeff knows what it means. I just... I think he just is saying stuff. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you, if you want to just get excited, just just put on your Jeff voice and just say, you know, Applebee's. It's fun. It's <laughs> home. So, um, yeah, I, I, again, I think Dylan's right, though. I mean, the monster, like, I just think it me. I think in his mind, it just means that the game is getting fun and dangerous. Like, that's all it means. Um, Christian wants to ask us, um, I don't see Tori breaking the most individual wins by a female player for... What do you guys think? So um, in case you don't know what Christian's referencing, the current record for most wins by a female player is four with Kelly Wigglesworth and Kim Spradlin. And I think someone else that I can't remember, I think Monica. Oh, go ahead, Dylan. Go ahead. I have actually a prediction for Tori oh boy. that that I want to say. And I I don't. I, I didn't say it before. Oh, no. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know. I'm going to make a prediction that Tori is the first player to successfully use a shot in the dark. Oh, intro. okay. Sorry. For some reason, I thought you were going to say Tori's going to be the one to break the, the challenge. Rate. I was going to be like, I did not have Tori. I don't, I don't think, I don't think she will. Although I, although I think, although I think Tori could, you know, win, win again. I, 
you know, the, the several several balance challenges and stuff that she's clearly good at. She's not winning four. There's no she's way. She's not winning. She's not winning. Percy she's not winning four more. Um, that I would be shocked if she did. But for whatever reason, like again, this edit they keep building her up to be somebody that you want to go home but never does. I'm telling you, watch out for Tori with the shot in the dark. She's she's gonna do something later in the season that she somehow like, and they keep like foreshadowing with her keep getting away keep getting away keep getting away she's gonna either play an advantage properly that saves her or she's gonna play the shot in the dark that saves her i'm telling you people it would not it would not people would lose their mind yes oh my god and i think that's the point of this everybody would lose their minds it's not just the super fans on twitter that would lose their minds because a lot lot of people just don't like tori like you said your mom and other people who watch on just a week-to-week basis that they they don't follow all all this in-depth stuff they just watch week to week the casuals would lose their minds as well everybody would go insane if it's tori is the one that gets saved by this and i I, I think it yeah i think i don't need to interrupt you i think that like i think survivor always looks for like this type of archetype with a player sometimes you get you get like a Kelly Wentworth who like plays the underdog role perfectly and is like a hero and like a potential winner. And then you get like the underdog who's like the Angelina or like, who like plays it very sloppily, like gets to the end, which is further than Kelly Wentworth did in her season. But like, she just didn't play like as well of a game. He gets no votes. Like Tori is somewhere, somewhere. I don't know what, what, what we're going at. She's somewhere close to the Angelina side, but like, I don't really know what's going on here. Um, I think that, survivor wanted sydney to be this player last season and she ended up getting screwed ironically um by playing the shot in the dark my prediction is that tori plays the shot in the dark correctly later in the season but it, I, mean, I, I, I don't to answer the question i don't think she breaks the record for female immunities i mean if you if i did not have on my bingo card i did not have on my bingo card that Tori would be this the early challenge beast. I mean, I know, I know John, Jonathan is the challenge and, person of this. Yeah. And one more thing about Tori is I think it's so funny. We talk about players who completely are the opposite of what we expect. Uh, we spoke about how Mike, we kind of expected him to just be like there for the ride early boot potentially, or like they kind of just drag him along as a vote. And next thing you know, he's like one of the biggest threats to win the game at this point. He's playing amazing. Everyone loves him. Um, like he like, Tori has also been completely not what I expected. Like she seemed, she, I think she's one of those players that like in her mind, she had like an ideal way that she wanted to play. Like a few days into the game, she realized everything's at the door. And now she's just like, now she's just like leaning completely into it. And she's just doing, she's just completely causing chaos. Like, I think she, she expected to play a certain way. I expected her to play a certain way. I thought she was going to be like very calculated in everything she does. It, it like she's like trying to be calculated, but she like can't complete it, like you said. So I, I think it's it, it's just very interesting to see like the contrast of like players' answers pregame and like interviews, um, yeah. and like I mean, what actually happens. I mean, look, I mean, I I will say really quickly before the next question is that I, I will take credit for this. I think I did call it in the preseason. I I was not overly high on Tori, and I feel like I. Again, I feel like I said I could see her just, you know, coming out, playing too hard, being sloppy. Uh, and it's funny because I, I watched some drafts and Tori was going like last in all them. And I saw some other drafts and people were like, oh, no, Tori's going to be like my my uh, my uh, 
late first round pick or my early second round pick. And I'm like, no, I ain't going near Tory until the last round if I need to, because like I, I had a gut feeling and maybe again, I knew she played in some online reality games and I know she played in sequester and she had a reputation for, you know, playing sloppy, but playing hard. So I kind of knew Tori's number from the start that this was just not going to be super smooth for her. Um, but yeah, no, the next question from Christian is, uh, do you think the do or die twist returns the final seven? And do you think that the immunity advantage challenge returns the final five? So I think, yes, short and simple. Jeff has said for everything this season, savvier sweats, the hourglass, everything. It's the same twist as last season with a slight tweak. So I think it's back with a slight tweak to it. I think we see both simple. E the do or die twist. It, it If Deshaun had gone home from it last season, it would have been very controversial because he get he because he did the riddle wrong and ended up staying. Nobody really spoke about how controversial this may be. Let's just say that I hope that a great player in the season does not go home because they lose a challenge first. That's all I'm going to say, but I think it'll be back. I think so too. Uh, two more questions here. Uh, any last questions? We will answer them, but Christian wants to know as well. Um, I think Omer and High are starting to expose themselves as big threats to win. So, yes, I mean, I think we've been saying this whole episode and for the last few weeks that Omer and High are the two front runners. You can also make an argument that Mike is another big front runner this season. You also could argue Drea. Like, whatever your perspective is, the, the current front runners of the season are Omer, High, Mike, Drea. And you could include Jonathan. I still think that these people ain't going to let him get to the end of this point because they're, they're just oohing and aahing at everything he does. There's no way they'd let him get to final three. But to, I think, Dylan, the question that, that we can take from this question is, are they doing too much to expose themselves? So you hinted at earlier in the podcast, Omer is positioned very, very well, and he has a lot of options, but will those come back to bite him? And Romeo threw a vote onto high as he's signaling the high as a big threat. So my, I guess my question to you from this is, do you think that at this point in final 10, they've started to show their hand too much? Or do you think one of them is going to get uh, caught or is one of them going to be in trouble a lot sooner than the other? I think if we're talking like, are they exposing themselves to us? Yeah, like we know that Omer and High are like running things right now. Are they exposing themselves to the players on the islands is what matters? I think everyone knows High is a big threat. And I think that's why High was the one stray vote tonight by Romeo. I think he's trying to signal that to everybody. That being said, I it doesn't seem to me that Omer that everyone's catching on to Omer being a big threat, which is like what he's telling us. And it, you know, everything that's that, that is happening checks out that way. So I think Omer has exposed to us that he's a big threat to win. I don't think he's exposed it to the players in the island yet, and that's what makes him special. Yeah. I mean, again, we'll have to find a, uh, uh, an explanation from Romeo if that's why he voted for high spelled wrong <laughs> he thought you thought it was rocks Roy for sure and it was romeo but um <laughs> like i i think high could be seen as a threat and omar is you know less seen as a threat but i mean again i, I don't want to get hyperbolic but if omar can keep this up and he can continue to pull strings and no one catches on to him i mean this is going to be a game that we keep talking about i mean this is impressive for sure um um, let's see. Oh, this isn't a, this is not a question, but I do agree with lightning's comment that I think Drea is doing a poor job at keeping Romeo close when he's on the outs. I think this is just Drea's personality. And I think it's 
not a flaw of hers because I think she's obviously a very strong woman. And I think she she's a she's a businesswoman. She owns her own business. She's obviously a fitness instructor. She's fit. She's she's the whole package. I think the problem is that Drea is very blunt. And one other thing that um, we saw last week when you were in here was that whole weird discussion between Marianne and Drea at Tribal Council. And Marianne's like, "See, so you agree with me?" And Drea's like, "No." And Marianne's like, "Okay, so we'll agree to disagree." And she's like. No, I think Drea is not good at faking it. I think Drea is just very blunt in how she is. So to Lightning's point, I think in her mind, she's going to be very blunt and say, you know what? You're being paranoid. You got to stop. You're good. But I think with Romeo, I think he needs a different type of ally or, or I think he needs to kind of engage with Drea differently. And I think she needs to be less, you know, forceful in her approach with him. I agree. And like I said, if I were her, I would just vote him out. But we'll, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> Uh, so the last question I have here um, uh, from Christian is, do you guys know any updates of 43 and 44 with the days going on for Survivor? So unless Dylan knows something that I don't, the only thing that I know is, you know, I follow a couple sources like, you know, Redmond, uh, Inside Survivor to see what's happening with the latest and greatest uh, seasons. Um, again, as far as I know, 43, I think at this point is either filming or is about to film. They're somewhere in that realm because we're back on track with Survivor. We're getting a new season in the fall because the season the seasons have been greenlit for 43 and 44. So we are getting a fall 2022 season and a spring 2023 season. So I just think it comes down to when are they going to film 43 and 44? I think they're going to do it right now. As for the themes, we have absolutely no idea. I still think, and I know Dylan and I have kind of um, disagreed on this recently, is that I feel like in this new era, they're just going to, they might, they might try to wait a while before bringing back returnees. So I could see the next two seasons being new players because I think Jeff just loves seeing these new casts and this season has been great so far. So I think he's going to say, why not just keep trying new casts, but that's all we know so far. Yeah. I, I, the only thing I have to say is I hope it goes back to 39 days. Oh yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. And I, I, I think that quarantine had a big reason for that. I think 39 days is just a big part of the show's identity. So the only thing you could tell me is Jeff says we're going to stick with 26 because it, you know, it works with COVID or it works with our production schedule. But if he has a choice and if, you know, CBS says to him, we don't have to do what we were doing. I think the fans want that identity back for 39, but we'll see. Yep. I agree. Okay. That's it. All righty. So if you're watching live, thank you. Be sure before you leave to like this video and subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. It really helps us out. Leave a comment on here with your thoughts as well. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram at Soul Survivor Pod. You can follow us on TikTok at Soul Survivor Podcast. Subscribe to us on Apple. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Subscribe to us on Spotify. Really helps us out. Links are in the description below for everything I just mentioned. And yeah, I'm excited for next week. Dylan, I'm very excited. I'm glad that you are back. Again, like I said at the start, it was fun to... <laughs> fly solo for a bit but it's always fun to talk with you about survivor um and i can't wait for next week because we'll be back at 9 15 next week and two more people will have gone home but other than that nothing else for you so grab your torches and head back to camp good night